Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thank you for joining me on Saint Split today. As I said in the episode note, it is a very rare case in Ontario that does not involve the completion of a financial statement at some point. The reality is that this document, which is fundamentally important, causes great headaches and even anxiety for those who need to complete it. We receive many questions about financial statements, so I thought it made sense to have a series on them, which starts today with some tips on completing your expenses, also called a budget. Before I get into our topic, I realize that I have not yet introduced to you my law clerk and truly my right hand in both my family law and mediation practices, and that is Carolyn Pearson. Carolyn is an amazing team player, and we have worked together for more than 10 years now. And I can never think of a financial statement in any of our cases without thinking about Carolyn as well, because she is the one who works on the initial stages of this task directly with her clients and guides them through the drafting process. The rate of her involvement really depends on how much help the individual client needs. Some people are quite confident that they can prepare a first draft at least without much of her involvement. Some need guidance from the very start, and that is all good. There is no magic formula for completing this document and how the process unfolds, including how long it takes, really depends on the individual client's skill set, their familiarity with handling volumes of paperwork, but also their emotional state, levels of stress and anxiety, which are very important for us to keep in mind and be sensitive to along the way. So, Carolyn, Let me take this opportunity to thank you for your incredible work over the years and for being a team player each and every step of the way. 
Let's set up a framework for our discussion. This episode, in fact, the entire series, is relevant primarily for residents of Ontario. I know that we have listeners from other parts of Canada and even from outside of our country, and I'm very excited about that. You may still find some of these tips useful because I expect that in just about every family law case in the Commonwealth and in the U.S. as well, you will be expected to put together a declaration in some form of your assets, your debts, income and expenses at various points in time. So some of my more general comments may apply to you as well. Importantly, I'm not giving legal advice here. I am offering tips based on my experience, my years of experience, and you will need to get legal advice on your specific case from a lawyer who has had a chance to become familiar with and understand all the relevant facts and who will then be in a position to tell you how the law applies to you. In Ontario, what your financial statement form looks like and what information it contains will depend on whether you were married or whether you were in a common law relationship. And secondly, it may be impacted by the stage of your case. There is no question that your lawyer will be the ultimate authority in deciding which form you complete. But in general terms, the financial statements which married couples complete are more complex than those which are filled out by common law spouses. And that is primarily because for married spouses, there is a complex formula for dividing property in Ontario called equalization of net family property, which involves taking into account the party's assets and debts, not only at separation, but also at the date of marriage. And there are other elements of the formula which need to be plugged into the financial statement all making it more complex. Generally speaking, common law spouses reflect only their assets and debts at the separation date. But again, there are some exceptions here, and you need to defer to your lawyer on this point. A classic financial statement has three main parts to it, each designed to assist in dealing with particular claims in the case. In other words, to help the reader understand the deponent's financial circumstances, either by way of income, their expenses, or what they have and what they owe. Let's go back to a term I just used because I don't want to flood you with legalese. I promised I wouldn't do that. A deponent is a person who swears to the truth of a document. Because financial statements are sworn, the person who swears a financial statement is the deponent. And the same goes for an affidavit, for example. So back to the various parts of a financial statement. 
for both common law spouses and married spouses, the financial statement opens with declarations as to income, and I will have a separate episode on this point in the series. As you go through the financial statement, you will see a space to fill out your expenses, and that is what I will talk about today. And then in the latter part of the financial statement, you will see references to assets and liabilities. In other words, again, what you own and what you owe. Some general comments about how to approach filling out this vital document. In general, and I have talked about this at some length in prior episodes, take the task seriously because your entries in this document can fundamentally impact your claims in the case and also your believability in the eyes of the reader. Let me splice what I just said into two and explain what I mean. What am I getting at when I say that your entries can fundamentally impact your claims in the case? Let's imagine hypothetically that you are seeking spousal support. Assuming you are in fact entitled to spousal support, your needs, which are expressed by, you guessed it, your expenses will be taken into account as part of the inquiry. And therefore, it is very important that you reflect them thoroughly and accurately. So taking the time to record your needs with care based on your expenses is important for you and your case. What about the believability part? Now, let's imagine you are part of a court case and you complete a sloppy financial statement or even worse, one which contains mistakes. And when you're first before a family court judge, your lawyer has to spend some time tightening it up or even correcting the obvious mistakes so the judge is aware of them. Or even worse, the other lawyer points out the errors in your financial statement right there. That may very well leave the judge with some concern about your believability and diligence in the case to begin with. So take your time, take the task seriously, work with your lawyer, the law clerk, ask as many questions as you need to. Remember, there are no bad questions when it comes to dealing with your future. So that's it for my general comments. And after a brief musical interlude, we will get into the expenses. Let's get into the expenses. Your lawyer should be your first guide to completing this part of your financial statement to ensure that it provides the right information, that it meets your objectives in the case, and that it accurately reflects the expenses of the relevant people in the relevant period of time. I have seen many financial statements which 
at the expenses part, simply provide a series of numbers at the corresponding categories. No other explanation is provided. It may be that your lawyer has told you this is sufficient for your case, and I respect that. Follow their directions, of course. But from my perspective, there is a better way of completing your budget, a way which may actually be more useful to your claims in the case. First of all, I always ask myself when I read a budget, what period of time does it represent? My second question is always, who is included in this budget? There are no default automatic answers to these questions, and no financial statement forms do not come with a crystal ball. Let me give you some examples of situations which will call for different entries in the expenses portion. Hypothetical case number one. Married spouses separated 14 months ago, but have continued to live in the matrimonial home with their two children, and the wife is now completing her financial statement. Hypothetical case number two, common law spouses separated two months ago. The common law wife remained at the residence following the separation with the party's child, a baby. The common law husband has moved out and lives in an apartment. He continues to pay the expenses of the residence as he did before the separation because the wife was on maternity leave, and in addition, he pays the expenses of his own apartment. He also gives the common law, law wife a fixed amount of money each month to meet the costs of her household with the baby. Hypothetical number three, the matrimonial home was sold after the separation, and the proceeds of sale are being held in trust. In other words, have not been released to either party. The wife has lived in her own apartment for the last 21 months. She would like to eventually purchase a small home, but she cannot do that until the property issues are sorted out and she will have some money for a down payment. From my perspective, each one of these hypotheticals will involve a different way of expressing the deponent's actual expenses and also the relevant period of time. In hypothetical number one, the now separated spouses have continued to reside at the matrimonial home. And in this case, it makes sense that the expenses be expressed as averages of costs over the last 12 months for the entire household, parents and kids. If during the marriage, the husband and the wife deposited their, their pay into the joint account and all of the expenses of the household were paid out of that account and the situation did not change after the separation, then from a practical perspective, this budget will essentially reflect the cost of the household in the 12 months after the separation, but also essentially 
will represent what this family spent before the separation took place because the arrangements haven't changed. Here, the wife is completing her financial statement. She may not have knowledge of the husband's personal expenses since the separation, like his clothing or his grooming costs. When we are facing this type of situation in my files, we make a notation to that effect, either in the note at the top of the budget or close to the end of it. In other words, we clarify that the budget represents both parties and the children in the household, but it does not specifically include the husband's personal expenses, which are unknown since the separation. Our hypothetical number two, you will recall, involved a common law couple. She stayed in the residence with the baby and he moved out into his own apartment. She's not working at the moment and since the separation two months ago, he has continued to pay all of the expenses of the residence and he also gives her a fixed amount per month to pay for groceries and supplies for the baby, for example. When this man is completing his budget, some decisions will have to be made about what this budget will reflect and whom it will represent. And ultimately, your lawyer will guide you on this. But if alerting the reader to the man's cash flow problems is at issue, then I think it would be helpful to show the extent of his financial obligations in the last two months since the separation. And those are quite significant because in that period, in addition to the traditional expenses the parties incurred together, which he continues to pay, this man now also pays for the expenses of his own household in his apartment. So in general terms and subject to specific factors which may be involved in the case and that are not part of our hypothetical, I would suggest that he complete a budget for the last two months and make a clear notation at the top of the expenses part that the budget represents only that short period. Because the separation happened only two months ago and his expenses have increased dramatically since then. Hypothetical case number three is probably the most straightforward because here the separated wife is able to zero in on her expenses in her apartment for the last 12 months and clearly set out the costs of her household and her own personal expenses in her apartment during that period of time. But recall that those arrangements are for her, hopefully temporary. So this brings us to another important point about these expenses. Remember, please, that as part of the financial statement, you have the option of completing a proposed budget in which you can give the reader a reasonable projection going forward of what your expenses might be if you had sufficient funds to move into the next phase or stage. So in the case of the wife in hypothetical number three, 
she might consider doing a budget in which she is projecting for her household in a small house. And yes, the expenses expressed on a proposed basis will not be 100% airtight because we are, after all, talking about a future hypothetical home and household. But there are ways of estimating such a proposed budget reasonably. So again, speak to your lawyer and see whether a proposed budget would be helpful in your case. I skipped over the question of who is part of the budget. In fact, I talked about it in an indirect way. But let me address the point more clearly. I like to tell the potential reader of the financial statement in a note, again inserted at the top of the expenses part, whom the budget actually represents. If it's the wife and the two kids, then say so. If it's the common-law husband who is now living in his own apartment but continues to pay for the household of the common-law wife and the baby plus his own expenses, then say so. It is my belief that the more detailed and upfront you are about this information, the more credible, believable you will be to the reader And the more helpful your financial statement will be to a family court judge who may have questions about these very issues in his own or her own mind in any event. So how do you actually go about putting together your budget from scratch? First and foremost, it takes time. So your expectations need to be reasonable when you're setting aside time to work on it from start to completion. If you start from the premise that you can complete a proper budget in two hours, then you're not being realistic, I'm afraid. It will take much more than that. And you will also hate the exercise. So you will have a tendency to put it aside, come back to it, and then abandon it again for a few hours or even days. So factor that into your estimate as well. Many years ago, when I was a young lawyer, I put together my own financial statement, including a budget, because I wanted to see how doing this would make me feel, to have an idea of what my clients may be experiencing. It also helped me better estimate how much time it would take. First of all, it was a very unpleasant exercise, and it made me face the reality that I was spending much too much money on silly things. But that aside, I came to realize that if I found the exercise frustrating, and I wasn't even separated, then my clients in the context of the usual stress and pressure would be finding this exercise doubly invasive, unpleasant, and burdensome. I have never met a client who said they enjoyed completing their budget. You won't like it either, I promise you, but it has to be done, and you need to do it properly, so... Realistically, I think you should expect to spend at least several hours on the job. 
to do it in a complete and thorough way. Set aside enough time. But first, do you know how much time you have? It's important to sort that out with your lawyer's office. Obviously, if the financial statement has to be completed on an urgent basis, you will have less time. But if you need to swear it in the usual course, so to speak, speak to your lawyer's office about the expected timelines and then create a plan. Give yourself some target deadlines. To begin with, I would familiarize myself with how the budget is structured and with the categories it contains. Some of the actual categories listed may not apply to you, but you may have expenses which are not listed in the standard budget. And yes, it is possible to create categories. So for example, people often pay for alarm systems or have water delivered. And these can be added to the empty boxes in the budget. The expenses are expressed in monthly amounts. So you may actually have to do some calculations. What do I mean here? If you pay, for example, for your ski club membership once a year, then you will obviously divide that annual amount by 12 to express the monthly amount. If your expenses fluctuate month to month for utilities, for example, depending on usage, then you will need to express an average amount by adding up the hydro expenses for the 12 months and dividing them by 12. I won't spend too much more time on how you arrive at the actual amounts to express them monthly, except to say that there are sometimes costs which do not occur on a regular basis, but which were part of your budget in the period you are covering nonetheless. Here's an example. If you had a root canal that cost $1,200 and you had to pay for it out of pocket because uh, you no longer had benefits coverage available for that expense, then you should definitely include the cost in your budget. But I would mark clearly in the category that it is a one-time expense. After familiarizing yourself with the outline of the budget and the categories it contains, I would turn my mind to planning on how I was going to actually gather the raw material for the entries. Let's take the grocery category, for example. How do you pay for your groceries? Do you always put them on a credit card? If that is the case, then figuring out the monthly grocery expense will be easy peasy because all you have to do is go to your credit card statements and identify the grocery expenses there. Let's put a twist on the hypothetical. If you use your credit card most of the time because you like to earn points, but you also pay with cash once in a while, then you need to add the cash component to your calculations and make a reasonable guess at that amount for this purpose. Payments for utilities, the mortgage, lines of credit, property insurance, car insurance are relatively easy to figure out because they usually come with a bill or an invoice. And in other instances, it may be a recurring amount that is debited from your account. 
The more challenging expenses to express are things like clothing, for example. Again, ask yourself, how do I pay for these? And then go to the source documents to see whether you can come up with actual numbers per month and average them for the period which your budget references. Once again, this is not an exercise that can be completed in a two-hour sitting. A good, thorough, defensible budget takes time to prepare and also some advanced planning. So pace yourself, work with reasonable timelines, and be as thorough as you can be. There may be points in your family law case where and when you will be required to explain how you arrived at the numbers in your budget and to provide paper backup for these representations. It doesn't happen in every case, but it can happen and you should be prepared for that eventuality. You will help yourself greatly, not to mention help your lawyer, if you keep notes as you are preparing your draft budget, jot down how you arrive at averages for various expenses. These notes will come in very handy and help you refresh your memory if you need to explain your budget at questioning, for example. Questioning is a process during which the opposing party's lawyer will ask you questions about various issues in your case. And that may very well include your expenses as part of your financial statement. Once you complete a first draft of your budget, I would take a critical look at it to see whether it makes sense given the funds actually available to pay for the expense. That's my cat, Gus Gus. What do I mean here? In our hypothetical number three, the wife is living in her own apartment by herself. She does not work and her only source of income is the spousal support she receives, which is $10,000 a month. If she shows her expenses for each of the last 12 months as $25,000... And she cannot explain how she has been funding the monthly deficit of $15,000 a month over the last year. Then something does not add up. Some people think that overestimating their expenses will help them in their case. As in, the more I ask for, the more I will get. Speak to your lawyer about this. From my perspective, this is not a wise thing to do for a number of reasons. By way of last word for today, I want to tell you that you are likely to swear more than one financial statement if your family law matter is before the court. You will be expected to update your financial statement from time to time, including your expenses. So yes, the unpleasantness may continue for some time, I'm afraid. But having done a thorough job once, updating it will not be remotely as complicated. So a toothache rather than a root canal. Hope you find some of my tips today helpful. The goal is a sane split. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.